Hey folks, Andy Patton here. The Zags dropped to number two in the AP poll after Auburn's victory over Kentucky last week. John Stockton had some disappointing comments regarding COVID-19 misinformation. Jalen Suggs dunked all over the Chicago Bulls, and we're covering it all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, ready to take you through another season of Gonzaga hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more. I also want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day. It is wonderful to be a part of all of your routine. Sincerely, I really appreciate it. I also appreciate all of you who have checked out the YouTube channel right now. The YouTube channel for Locked On Zags has been one of the fastest growing YouTube channels on the Locked On Podcast Network, and I could not have done that without all of your support. If you are a listener to the show but have not checked out the YouTube channel, now is a great time to do so. The front page is updated. The playlists are organized. It is a great way to check out all of our content. Go to YouTube.com, search Locked On Zags, hit that subscribe button. All right, segment one, we're just kind of going over some news and notes about the Zags for the last couple of days. Of course, the biggest news that comes out every Monday, the Zags dropped one spot in the AP poll. The talk for the last couple of weeks has been between Gonzaga and Auburn, which team deserves to be number one last week. Gonzaga was the number one team, despite a lot of people believing Auburn should hold the title. Auburn, of course, was not very high on a couple people's AP polls last week. Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star had Auburn ninth. That was the primary reason that they were behind Gonzaga last week in what was a really, really close vote. This was, of course, after Auburn had beat Alabama, which a lot of people used the transitive property to say, well, Auburn beat Alabama, Alabama beat Gonzaga, therefore Auburn should be number one. I think there's, in general, a not a very clear set of rules on how we should interpret the AP poll. This has been brought up a handful of times on social media when kind of discussing why some people get frustrated or upset with the AP poll because some voters view it as a power rankings almost on a week-by-week basis. Some people use resumes exclusively to vote on the AP poll. Some people use some of the analytics statistical models like Ken Palm to use to make their AP poll almost exclusively. That's what Newell does. He had Auburn was ninth in the AP poll, so he voted Auburn ninth. And most people had Auburn first or second, so it was a bit of a controversy there. I've talked on this show a handful of times about how the team is overly not is not overly concerned about the AP poll. The coaches aren't really concerned about it. Uh, obviously, you want to be playing your best basketball in March. So if you are not playing your best basketball earlier in the season, that is okay. Uh, having said all of that, it's also really cool when your team gets to be number one. We remember, many Gonzaga fans remember what it was like in 2013, the first time the Zags were ranked number one. Auburn got that accomplishment this week. They beat Kentucky last week. It's hard to not move them up to number one after beating a good team in Kentucky. Now, they were losing to Kentucky until freshman guard Ty Ty Washington got hurt with an ankle injury, and then he was out for the rest of the game. Auburn came back and won. I don't know 
if Auburn would have won that game had Ty Ty stayed in the game. It ultimately does not matter. What matters is they did win the game. They secured the victory over Kentucky. It goes in the record book as a win. It's There's no asterisk. There's no mark indicating anything other than a victory for the Tigers. They deserve to be number one. I believe that. I think you could make an argument for Gonzaga. I think there's a small argument for Arizona, although... I believe they are correctly slotted in at number three behind both these teams. They did pick up a first place vote. So shout out to Tommy Lloyd, his first ever first place vote in the AP poll. I don't think a lot of people thought that that would happen for him this early in his career at Arizona without his really getting a lot of his guys in. But it has. So kudos to Tommy. Kudos to the Wildcats. As many people have alluded to, there's a great opportunity for the Zags and the Wildcats to meet in the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament, assuming they are both the one and the two seeds in the West region. At this point, they are both trending towards being number one seeds, which makes a matchup between the two of them more difficult, more challenging. It may not happen until the Final Four. Hell, it may not happen until the National Championship game, which would be something else. My word. If Gonzaga and Arizona met in the National Championship, the chaos that that would create for our fan base, like it would be nice because I think we could say, well, look, it's a, it's a pretty good outcome either way but losing to Tommy in the national championship having him win a ring in his first year as a head coach would be pretty tough to stomach I'm not gonna lie that would be a little challenging regardless shout out to them for being number three shout out to Auburn coach Bruce Pearl for being number one like I said I remember the day that we were number one for the first time in 2013 we had a big cake on campus it was this amazing moment and it it feels We've just we're just so used to it now, and it's not a bad thing. I'm not criticizing anybody, but it's 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 sometimes hard for us to stomach. I think not being number one when we feel like we deserve it, and I know that Gonzaga has historically been a little bit mistreated in the polls. Uh, that hasn't happened as much lately. In fact, they've been getting very generous treatments from the polls in a lot of ways over the last couple of years. But I think it's it's nice to see other teams get recognition when they deserve it. I think it's completely reasonable to want to be number one all of the time, especially when, you know, we're a really, really good team this year. We're blowing the doors off the teams we're facing in the WCC. We have victories over UCLA and Texas and Texas Tech, who are extremely good teams. We have a very reasonable case. So does Auburn. And I want to see these two teams meet. I don't know if there's a very reasonable path for it to happen. I think at this point, both teams are trending towards number one seeds and potentially not being number one seeds on the same side. So a matchup between these two teams probably wouldn't happen until very, very late in the NCAA tournament. But seeing how Gonzaga would attempt to guard Jabari Smith, who is an absolute stud, one of the best, if not the best young player in the country, right up there with Bancaro and, of course, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, how Auburn would deal with Chet Holmgren, how Gonzaga would try to get to the rim around Walker Kessler, another elite shot blocker. Very, very fun matchup. Would be really excited to see that come to fruition if possible. For now, as I've said on the show, I'm not concerned about what the AP poll says in late January, early February, that kind of timeline. It just doesn't matter. Gonzaga's number one, number two, number three, somewhere in there. They're pretty clearly one of the top four teams in the country. Pretty clearly trending towards being a top seed in March. Not 
not anything likely to happen to cause that to drop. I think they're going to be a number one seed barring a loss or two for the rest of the season, which seems unlikely, not impossible. Obviously, Gonzaga still got two more against St. Mary's, one more against San Francisco, one more against BYU. Then they got a couple of games in WCC in March as well. So they got some opportunities that, that may challenge them a little bit, but this is still probably going to be a number one team in terms of seeding in the NCAA tournament, and that's all that really matters to me. A couple other notes before we move on to the second segment. Uh, Gonzaga had a couple of their games flipped around. For anybody who missed this, the Zags are now playing San Diego in San Diego on February 3rd. That game will be at 6 p.m. on ESPN2. And the Zags are playing Pepperdine at Pepperdine on February 17th at 8 p.m. on ESPN2. Those games got flipped. Uh, They flipped them. They were trying to rearrange the schedule. The WCC obviously has a lot of work to do to try to figure out how to get all of these games in on time this season. One of the ways that they're doing that is flipping these games around. It allows Gonzaga to accommodate the San Diego Toreros, who just lost in overtime on Monday evening to Santa Clara. A really, really good game for those of you who missed it. Santa Clara won 78-74. to Keyshawn Justice was the man down the stretch for the Broncos. Again, Santa Clara is kind of that number five team. Good enough to be in consideration for one of the best teams in the WCC, but not quite at the level of, of course, Gonzaga, BYU, St. Mary's, and San Francisco, who are all up in the top 40 per Ken Palm. Santa Clara is right around the top 75. San Diego gave them a big run on Monday night, a really nice game from the Toreros, a team that I think we have talked about very little on this podcast because Gonzaga has not faced them yet, but a team that I think is is moving in the correct direction. They had a really nice year on the transfer portal. Would have been nice if they could have found a way to keep Misalski, who went from San Diego to San Francisco, and of course is one of the best players on the Dons. Regardless, Gonzaga got their schedules flipped around. If you were turning on the TV on February 3rd and you were expecting to see Pepperdine, you're going to see San Diego. Not a big deal. I don't think the time of the game has changed. Uh, But obviously for Gonzaga, it changes their travel schedule a little bit. Fortunately, not something that is incredibly disruptive for them or anything that I think is going to impact their win-loss record necessarily. But nice to kind of have an idea of which teams are playing on which days. Also, not the last time the schedule is going to change this season. It's something that we just have to adopt to in COVID times. Obviously, Gonzaga's schedule has already undergone some changes this year with the San Francisco game being changed to a different time. Of course, losing the University of Washington game, losing a couple other games early in the WCC slate because of COVID-19. So we'll see what other changes happen. We'll see if there are more cancellations that potentially allows Gonzaga to add a mid-season non-conference game. I'm not holding my breath for that to happen. I think it's fairly unlikely at this point that it comes together, but it only takes one more test for somebody else on another team to wipe out a game, cause Gonzaga to have six, seven days off in a row. Maybe they go find an opportunity to play a a Kentucky, a Kansas, a Purdue, a Michigan State, some team like that that potentially has some openings in their schedule. All right, segment two coming up. going to talk about the Spokesman Review article regarding John Stockton and his ban from the kennel that his season tickets were revoked from by Gonzaga because of his refusal to wear a mask uh, in the kennel. All about that in the second segment. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Even in 2022, Bet Online remains the number one spot for all of the best sports wagering action. In fact, with a new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 
Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. And folks, we're going to talk about John Stockton. I did not address the article that came out on Sunday during my Mailbag Monday episode. I did get a couple of questions about it. I responded to those people individually, said that I was going to tackle it in its own segment on Tuesday's show. Here we are talking about this. For those of you who may have missed this story, a quick recap, Theo Lawson of the Spokesman Review sat down with John Stockton to discuss his recent ban from the kennel. He had his season tickets revoked because he was refusing to comply with the mask mandate, saying that everybody in the kennel must wear a mask at all times while sitting in their seats and walking around the concourse. It is consistent with state law. It is not something that Gonzaga put in that is separate from from rules anywhere else. I recently went down to Matthew Knight Arena in Eugene in Oregon to watch the Ducks pummel the Washington Huskies. They have the same rule there. Everybody wore a mask for the entirety of the game who was in the stands. It's pretty consistent in the state of Oregon, the state of Washington. Obviously, the state of California has taken it a step further where many of the arenas are not allowing fans at all or allowing very small capacity. We saw 25% capacity at Santa Clara. We've seen some Pac-12 games that are completely devoid of fans. Oregon and Washington have not gotten to that step yet. Hopefully, it does not happen. It's been great to see fans back in the stands. Obviously, for me, getting an opportunity to go to a game, even if it was not a Gonzaga game, was still fun. Live college basketball is the best, so it was great to see that. But with with the Stockton story, for those of you who, again, don't know, uh, he is a pretty devout anti-mask, anti-vaccine, COVID denier type. Uh, we've kind of seen a few snippets of his... <laughs> His thoughts on this topic earlier in the offseason, he supported Kyrie Irving and his decision to not get vaccinated and not play for the Brooklyn Nets earlier in the season. Uh, he's kind of had a few other statements come out criticizing the Washington government and kind of implying that he was a pretty significant COVID denier. This is the most information we have gotten out of him from Theo's article. He is no longer welcome at Gonzaga games. He is hoping that he can eventually kind of repair the relationship between him, himself and Gonzaga. I hope so as well. I believe very, very likely that they will find a way to make this work in the not too distant future. But for right now, they kind of, their hands were tied. They didn't have much choice. He was adamantly refusing to follow the rules that are in place by the school in place by the state of Washington. <laughs> there, there have to be consequences for your actions. And in this case, those consequences were revoking his season tickets. He said he had lots of conversations with Gonzaga staff uh, about this decision. It sounds like he kind of understood that it was going to happen. So I think that, that uh, he didn't get blindsided by it, which I, I suppose is good. But at the end of the day, this is a tough, tough for Gonzaga fans, I think, to swallow uh, our most notable alumni, not just our most notable sports alumni, although I guess Bing Crosby has a, a strong argument for being the most notable alumni, but John Stockton is certainly a, a pillar in the Gonzaga community. The Stockton family has been a part of Gonzaga for, for nearly a century. Obviously, John's grandpa, Houston Stockton, was a football player for this team in the 30s and 40s. Jack Stockton helped start Jack and Dan's, the iconic bar right across from campus. John, of course, 
legendary basketball player, Hall of Famer, and then he had kids. David Stockton played at Gonzaga. Laura Stockton played at Gonzaga. Just a, a tremendous family. The, the, the Stocktons own a lot of the buildings right outside of campus restaurants that a lot of students go to. So really a big deal to not allow this person into the kennel. But some of the things that he said in this article, <laughs> I can understand if people are vaccine hesitant. I can understand if people don't like masks or are concerned about the efficacy of masks. To be clear, I don't agree with those sentiments. Vaccines work. Masks work. We have imperial mountains of evidence to indicate both of those things are true. But if you are hesitant on those two things, you still have to follow the rules. And Stockton's beliefs go so far beyond just being a little hesitant about those two things. Stockton said in this article, and this is the quote that has made headlines that was talked about on CNN that has been retweeted thousands of times in Theo's article, where John Stockton said he believes that somewhere between 150, and he kind of backed down to well, maybe only 100 or so, professional athletes, professional athletes have died from taking the COVID-19 vaccine. I don't know how anybody, regardless of your stance on this topic, can justify that statement. It is overwhelmingly not true. There are not professional athletes dying from taking the COVID vaccine. For starters, there is not a rash of professional athletes dying, period. It's not like there are athletes dying and we're unsure why they're dying and Stockton is attributing it to COVID-19. That would be a, or the vaccine. That would be a different story. If there was a bunch of athletes who were dying and we did not know why, <laughs> but I can tell you right now, if that was happening, there would be a lot of stories about it. There, this is not happening. I don't know if he thinks that it's happening in other countries and not being re reported on in the United States. I don't know if he thinks it's getting like significantly buried. I don't know if he thinks it's like not the big sports that we cover exclusively in America, like basketball, football, baseball, hockey, whatever, if he thinks it's not as significant sports in other countries and people just aren't talking about it, I don't know what he believes, but there's no, no data, no evidence whatsoever. It would be the most massive cover-up in government history, and we know that our government is not particularly good at hiding a lot of this stuff. So if, if hundreds of professional athletes were dying after taking the vaccine, that would be a significant story. It's blatantly untrue. There's no other way to put it. I think trying to justify what he's saying is wrong. This is incorrect. It is, an, it is massive misinformation being spread by a figure that has a large platform that people have looked up to for generations, an iconic figure in the state of Utah, in the city of Spokane, an NBA Hall of Famer, one of the 75 greatest players of all time, and for him to be using his platform to spread blatant misinformation at a time when misinformation is rampant, when there is this kind of inability to discern what is true and what is not true from uh, part of it because of an inability of our government to give us accurate information in a timely matter. They have struggled with that under both regimes over the last few years. That is not that is consistent over the last couple of years. But this kind of thing is is frustrating. It's defeating. Uh, it makes Gonzaga look bad. I think that Gonzaga's decision to revoke his season tickets and ban him from the kennel was a good decision. I don't think there's any evidence against that. He was not following the rules. Rules are in place for a reason. If you're not following the rules, you're going to face consequences. That's just how life works. He's facing those consequences. I'm glad Gonzaga made this decision. I'm frustrated that this is the kind of 
rhetoric that John Stockton wants to spread these days. I, 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 I don't know what else to say. It's, it's hard for me to talk about this topic um, because my wife's a nurse and my wife recently has been working with COVID positive patients uh, almost exclusively for the last couple of weeks at her new job. Uh, and she's lost a lot of them. She's, she's lost multiple patients. She's had a day last week where she had three patients. Now it's been less than a week. All of them are dead and none of them were vaccinated and all of them were COVID positive. And it's, it's one thing to hear these stories from, from, you know, on social media, to see the stories from nurses or from doctors about these patients who are struggling to breathe, who are wishing they'd got the vaccine, who are telling you they wish they got the vaccine, they should have done something sooner. But it's, it's, a, it's a lot harder when it's your wife coming home from work and she has to change in the, in the garage because she's afraid of the germs that are on her, on her scrubs. And she's so upset because she knows that these people are going to die and that they're not that old. And, and to read these stories online is, is different than to hear them in person. And it's just, it's really hard. It's really frustrating when people just blatantly, callously disregard what is happening to people who are unvaccinated. I, I heard her story of a, a patient who they fa- she was in the room FaceTiming this, per- this patient's wife to tell him that they were going to transfer her husband to comfort care. This person who was on the phone call was very anti-vax and said he just needs some Pepsid. Without the understanding that they were unable to take this person's oxygen mask off for long enough to give him Pepsid without him completely being unable to breathe. The patient himself at first said, hey, just whatever my wife says, I agree with. He changed his mind because he realized he couldn't breathe. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Please take me to the ICU. I want to get intubated. I want to live. He died. These stories are really hard for me to hear. They're hard for me to tell. But they, I think they need to be out there more. Because when John Stockton says 150 professional athletes have died from the vaccine and he is blatantly wrong, meanwhile, there are people who are refusing to take the vaccine who are dying, who are John Stockton's age, who are otherwise healthy. It is, it's a tragedy. It's, I don't, I don't, I, I feel for these people. I don't feel like, oh, well, they had this decision. They didn't take it. They died because they still look just as scared in the hospital and they regret it in that moment. And it's really hard to have that conversation, to have to be the person who tells them, hey, it's too late or, hey, this is your like my wife had to tell him this is your only chance to live is to go to the ICU. You have to do this. And it's really hard to hear people, especially people with platforms as big as Stockton's, callously disregard those people's lives while spreading information that is incorrect that could seriously harm other people. All right, that's all I'm going to talk about with this topic. It is not a fun one. I was kind of dreading having this conversation, but I thought that it was important to talk about Gonzaga's most notable alumni and what he has been saying about this topic. It has been covered widely. Theo did an incredible job with this article. A massive shout out to him for having this sit-down conversation, turning it into a really, really well-written article and piece of journalism. So shout out to him for that. All right, segment three, we're coming back. We're talking Jalen Suggs dunked all over the Chicago Bulls, got some significant praise from some of the NBA's best players after the game. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Get Upside. Hey, Zags fans, this is Andy Patton with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about called Get Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. 
Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE for $0.25 cents per, per gallon or more on your first fill-up. Cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get $0.25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, pivoting over to talk about current Zags playing in the NBA. We have to start talking about Jalen Suggs because Jalen Suggs is back. Of course, he missed over a week or over a month, about six weeks or so with a thumb injury for Orlando. He's back to continue his rookie year. He has been outstanding since he returned from that injury. He's averaging 14.8 points, five and a half rebounds and five and a half assists per game. Kind of just an uptick in his numbers from what he was doing early in his rookie year. He's also averaging 1.3 steals per game shooting 46.5% from the field. The three-point line, or the three-point shot still hasn't showed up. I think he's only 20% from the three-point line since his return. He was struggling from beyond the arc before that. Of course, that was one of the biggest knocks on him heading into the NBA was his inability to shoot from the outside. I think he's obviously going to improve in this regard. I would be stunned if he didn't become at least an average or just below average three-point shooter for a guard, but it's going to take him a little bit of time. Regardless, the the numbers that he's been putting up otherwise are fantastic. Against the Bulls, he had a really, really nice game. Orlando beat Chicago, which is a big win for the Magic, who is one of the worst teams in the NBA, playing one of the best teams in the NBA. They beat him in the fourth quarter. DeMar DeRozan, playing for the Bulls, had a, a monster night. He had 41 points. I don't remember exactly how many he had in the fourth quarter, but I think he had over 20 in the fourth quarter alone, trying to keep Chicago in the game. But Jalen Suggs had 11 of his 15 points in the fourth quarter as well. He was the primary reason that Chicago was unable to come back in the game. DeMar DeRozan may have been the best player on the court, but Suggs did his damage when it counted. He also had a thunderous dunk. He broke a double team, was just coming down the court really fast, only had to take one dribble from the three-point line into the paint. Somebody came up and challenged the dunk. He just threw it down right in their face. Big Big celebration, pumping his chest, screaming at the crowd. Uh, some people were a little, <laughs> a little put off by his antics. I was not at all. Obviously, we we know Jalen Suggs. We love Jalen Suggs. People were kind of surprised that he would celebrate so much on a team that's so bad, which I've never really understood. Is you still want to celebrate when you do awesome things? And they won the game. It's not like he was celebrating during a loss. He was celebrating during a win against a really good team. You should want that kind of player on your team. I think he really endeared himself to Orlando fans in a lot of ways by celebrating like that, by having, obviously by playing well, that, that's going to that's gonna make you a fan favorite, but really kind of showing how excited he is to be in Orlando, celebrating his the team that he's on, the city that he's playing for. 
fans are going to love him. The, I'm, I think the fans already love him, but there's there's going to be even more love for him for doing that kind of stuff. He's clearly the player to help take this team out of this rebuild and get them back into contention. Uh, this is the kind of game that proves why he is ready to be that player. And DeMar DeRozan had a lot of really nice things to say about Jalen Suggs after the game, which is a tremendous compliment from a player who's you know an all-star caliber player, having a monster season. He's in the MVP conversation so far this year. He said he's been a fan of Suggs since he was in high school. He also had a quote where he said, I always watched him even when he was at Gonzaga, which I don't think was supposed to be a dig, but it sounded a little bit like a dig. Like, I watched him even at Gonzaga. <laughs> and DeRozan's a USC guy, so maybe it was a tiny bit of a dig. I don't know if it was intentional or not. I certainly don't think we should be uh, overly offended by this comment, but I thought that it was kind of funny. Like, oh yeah, when he went over to that school, I still decided it was worth watching him. Uh, he said, I'm rooting for him. He can be very successful in this league. Again, really nice to see compliments like that from a player like DeMar DeRozan. These, I think sometimes we think that that players always pump up other players. You know, they're rarely critical of other players because it just is not a good look. Uh, and certainly if it was a teammate saying, I think he's going to be really good, you kind of have to take those comments with a grain of salt. Uh, I, you know, went to press conferences for Russell Wilson for years when I covered the Seattle Seahawks, and the man never said a negative thing about a single person in his life. That's partly just his personality. But again, you take those comments with a grain of salt. But when it's a, an opposing player, going out of their way to compliment a young player on the other team. DeRozan didn't have to say anything about Jalen Suggs. He chose to say something about Jalen Suggs, chose to talk about how big of a fan he is, how long he's been watching him, how successful he thinks he's going to be. DeMar DeRozan probably knows what talent looks like in the NBA. He's pretty good at identifying it because he's been in the league for a long time, and he's obviously an extremely talented player himself. So it's very, very cool to see Suggs get that kind of compliment from DeMar DeRozan. It's very cool to see Suggs do enough damage in the fourth quarter to hold off a ridiculous run from DeRozan to secure Orlando a victory. Now, the more victories Orlando gets uh, is almost going to curb their rebuild because they're not going to make the playoffs this year. So the more wins they get, the less likely they are to get the top pick in the draft to get themselves a Jabari Smith or Paulo Bancaro or, of course, Chad Holmgren to get him, get him reunited with Jalen Suggs in Orlando, which would be incredibly fun for those guys to go to Minnesota together, go to Gonzaga, not together, but both go to Gonzaga and then both be together again in Orlando would be a really, really fun story. Moving on, other Zags in the NBA updates. Kelly Olynyk, after returning from his lengthy gap on the injury list with a knee injury, he has now entered health and safety protocols for COVID-19 for the Pistons. Big bummer for him. He'll obviously be back from this. Uh, he'll recover and get a chance to play. I don't know how sick he is or if he just tested positive. I don't know the situation there. But obviously a bummer for a guy who missed so much time with an injury to come back. He only played two games. He had 22 points in his first game back. His second game, he only had four points, but he had five assists and four boards. Obviously the kind of player who impacts the game regardless of how much he's scoring because he's a good rebounder, he's a good passer. He's turned into a decent defensive player as well. A nice leader for the Pistons who are kind of rocking with Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bey. Two really young players in their front court. So Kelly kind of gives them a veteran presence, an established guy who can kind of help mentor them and just play significant minutes at the five or the four. Uh, he'll be back soon, but this is just a, a bummer that he he spent all that time on the injured list and didn't get didn't test positive for COVID until right when he gets back and is healthy. 
Brandon Clark sat out on Sunday with a back injury. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's going to be something that keeps him out for too long, but also an opportunity to talk about how good he has been lately. We've kind of talked about it a few times on this show. He obviously had a great rookie year, not as good second year, and then was really not playing a whole lot here in his third season. That has changed recently in his last 12 games. He's averaging 13.5 points, 6.8 rebounds, 1.4 assists, and his field goal percentage is a ripe 68.3%. Again, that is the Brandon Clark we love. 14 points, 7 rebounds, 1.5 assists, shooting just about 70% from the field. Looks a lot like what he did in a Gonzaga uniform. Great to see him replicating that success in Memphis. Hopefully, this means the Grizzlies will play him more when he is healthy, start utilizing him the way that he should be utilized, because clearly he has a lot to offer in the NBA. And last but not least, Zach Collins is uh, set to return to the San Antonio Spurs. I say return, but really, uh, it would—it's not a return. He has not played for the San Antonio Spurs yet. He signed with them this offseason after playing only 11 games in the last two years with the Portland Trailblazers because of a myriad of injuries—a shoulder injury and then an ankle injury. He's been still dealing with the ankle injury. He's come back and played a couple of games in the G League with the Austin Spurs, San Antonio's affiliate. He looked really, really good in the G League. I think he scored 20 points in like 22 minutes. Something like that, you'd expect a fully healthy Zach Collins to be a monster in the G League because he's too good to be playing at that level. I'm curious where San Antonio is going to slot him in. They've had some challenges in their front court. Uh, a lot of they have a lot of players who can play in the front court, but not a lot of very good players who can play in the front court. I think there's a good chance for Zach Collins to kind of leapfrog a lot of people on that depth chart and end up playing a really significant role for San Antonio. But I also think it's possible if he struggles out of the gate that he may not find a lot of playing time right away just because there is a lot of options that they can go to at that spot. But they wouldn't have signed him. They wouldn't have, you know, diligently worked through his rehab if they didn't think he could come out and help this team right away. So I think I'm expecting to see him play significant minutes as soon as he's able to get out on the court. And if he plays well, he could work his way into a starting role and a pretty significant player uh, in the Western Conference. So hats off to Zach Collins for working really hard to get back. Really excited to see his first game back in an NBA uniform. All right, that is going to do it for me today. We got LMU and Portland this week, so look out for plenty of coverage ahead of those two games, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, available on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button there if you have not already. Finally, thank you again to those of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your sports gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!